Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo, episode 27, and I am Demetrius Malbro, your Chief Data Protection Chef. And Data Protection Gumbo is set up with the aim to expand the awareness of the IT industry by being a voice for protecting all types of digital information. And today on Data Protection Gumbo, it is my distinct pleasure to introduce Stephen Umbihacker, CEO and founder of OS Nexus. And OS Nexus was founded in 2010, and OS Nexus helps companies manage their storage ranging from small sites to hyperscale deployments across global data centers with its QuantaStore, industry-leading software-defined storage platform. And the QuantaStore software-defined storage platform provides scale-out, file, block, and object storage as a single, easy-to-manage solution. Welcome to the gumbo, Stephen. How are you? Doing good. Thanks for having me on today, Demetrius. Fantastic. So let's go ahead and jump right in with with the many questions that I have for you today. It's going to be an exciting show. So tell us about, I guess, your background, Stephen, and how you got started in the storage industry. Yeah, um, I got started in the storage industry back in 1997 at a company uh, called Veritas Software, which became one of the big storage giants uh, in backup software and in um, back back in back in the day, if you will, it was uh, a lot of file system and and volume management uh, technologies was the layer at which companies were um, protecting their data, making it fault tolerant against disk uh, disk drive failures. And nowadays that's generally done it in the appliance layer or in a, a software-defined storage platform. So I got started fairly early. Uh, I, I did a number of different uh, software engineering uh, areas before getting into the storage industry. But once I got into it back in 97, I've been in here ever since. So it's uh, going on 20 years now. Wow. Okay. All right. So, and, and I guess leading leading into the story as well is how did the OS Nexus um, endeavor kind of start uh, in 2010. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I was at, at the time in t- 2009 and uh, 2008, it was at uh, Citrix Systems. And Citrix uh, acquired a company called ZenSource, uh, which made the Zen hypervisor and uh, the Zen server uh, management platform for it. And I, and I noticed a few things. One was that the storage vendors hadn't really evolved much in the last decade. I'd been working with the storage vendors like EMC and NetApp and HP, IBM, the whole kind of gambit of Tier 1 and Tier 2 vendors. But their architectures uh, for file and block storage hadn't evolved much. It made it really difficult uh, to automate the management of those uh, storage systems. And so that made it really difficult for for companies to use those systems in the cloud because if you can't automate it and if and if it's really a, a, an expensive uh item then you you can't really uh make your IT organization more efficient so i, I felt like the the what the folks there at zen server had done to virtualize compute 
needed the same thing needed to be done for storage. We needed to move away from these proprietary hardware, proprietary file system uh, solutions and. OS Nexus was a way to go do that and, and to make companies more efficient through the use of, of software rather than these, these older proprietary systems. Okay, great. And so you, you've also heard of uh, Ceph, I suppose, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> and, yeah. And I guess also, too, that the Ceph technology, it's, it's something that you know I am not as versed on, but I have definitely heard about it. And uh, a buddy of mine told me, he said, hey, you, you really need to look into uh, this Ceph technology because it is, it's, it's growing and it's an amazing technology. So can you tell me, I guess, about, uh, I guess, where Ceph, Ceph is headed and some information about Ceph and, you know, how it's headed towards uh, scale-out storage? You bet. Yeah, so we have incorporated Ceph into our Quantastore platform and the main reason why is is that it lets it lets companies get to hyperscale, meaning that they can keep adding storage uh, to their environment without bound. So the uh, the old way of storing data, you'd create a, a, a like a virtual block device, or you'd create a a, a scale out file system. And those systems, like Isilon and others, they might scale well to maybe five or ten petabytes. But there's a lot of companies that need to go from 5 to 50 or 5 to 500 uh, petabytes. And a new kind of file system needs to be built in order to solve that problem. And so a number of companies about, you know, several years back, six to eight years back, started building these object storage uh, devices, EMC Atmos, and some there were some, some others out there. Uh, but uh, they... The, the the problem with the proprietary solutions were there was that they were too expensive and so um sage sage while and uh some of his some of his colleagues uh, started building this file system about 9 years back and it 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 essentially lets you scale and have this fault tolerance and uh high availability so that you can uh, take, you have any number of appliances go offline and have the storage still be online and usable. So uh, Ceph has come a long way in the last nine years. One of the biggest innovations that's happening now is, is that it's got the ability to use SSD storage to access the, the hot data. So rather than just building out petabytes of of slow platter disk, you can combine it with SSDs now and have the most frequently accessed data be sitting in a tier of storage that's pure SSD. So they're doing they're doing all kinds of interesting things to to boost the performance and and scalability of Ceph today. Okay, great. Yeah, SSD and flash is definitely hot right now, and seems like all the major vendors and even some of the smaller guys are you know really really taking advantage of uh, that technology. And also something else, too. Um, you, you know, we, we always hear these buzzwords thrown around, you know, quite a bit in our industry, especially in storage and data protection and backup and recovery. Um, I, I hear the term scale out and scale up often. OK, mm-hmm. can, can you clear this up uh, for, I guess, the listeners and and why scale out versus scale up? Yep. And and actually, there's good cases for use cases for both of those. But what in, in the, the quick answer is is that scaling out means that you're going to add additional servers 
is basically storage servers that are going to work together as a group uh, to, to, to give not only additional capacity but additional bandwidth because each of those storage servers, those storage appliances, have additional network ports on them. So there's more and more bandwidth being added uh, to access the storage uh, by as you add more boxes and scale out. So that contrasts with scale up. And the traditional storage systems from uh, from EMC and NetApp and others, uh, HP, IBM, all these systems were generally scale-up architectures. And what that means is, is that you've got a, a head unit, a controller, that you access your storage through. And then you've got these expansion chassis, which are sometimes called a JBOD, a just a bunch of disks enclosure. And they would just go and add more of these disk shelves and you could keep adding uh, sometimes eight or ten or a dozen of these additional disk shelves. Uh, but at, there's a certain point where your you, your bandwidth at, out the front is so limited to go and access, say, ten additional shelves of storage that you, you really need to go and buy another appliance. And so what would end up happening is, is, is say, you're a media and entertainment company and you made uh, a, you're making Toy Story, let's say, and you've got... Um, 500 terabytes of data, you bought the first appliance, you filled it up, and then you added more and more of these disk shelves, and eventually you, you couldn't add any more shelves, and you were at, say, you know, 300 terabytes of storage. Well, now you've got to buy a brand new box and start expanding that, and you've got sort of some of your movie on one of the appliances and some of your mo- movies on the uh, – or frames and, and sequences uh, – on the new appliance, and this created a big headache for a lot of companies because they're like, "Well, I got my data all over the place. I don't. I got the first 45 minutes of the movie over here, and I've got the next 30 minutes over there, and 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 it creates all kinds of challenges." So, scale out solves all that because now you get a single namespace, as it's called. You you have you create a folder in there called toy story and you could just keep adding more and more files you run out of space you just bolt on another appliance and you just keep growing it so that that um that's sort of the uh uh the key value of uh of scale out is that you can keep all your data in one in in one group or, or as it's called single namespace and that was really popularized by emc isilon and nowadays there's file systems like Gluster and Luster and, and a number of them in the open source that, that can do that, uh, that, that scaling out uh, without having to use proprietary technology. So I guess that's why it took them so long to come out with Finding Dory, the second uh, edition of Nemo, right? Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they had scale-up technology and uh, needed to do a, uh, a migration over to scale-out, but it's out now and it's, uh, it's, a, it's a great movie. So yep. there, there's, there's the plug for Finding Dory. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know, All right. w- one thing I want to say, too, in kind of defense of the scale-up is, is that for small amounts of storage, the – Having lots of appliances in the scale-out model actually slows things down because you've got to coordinate the I.O. activity, the reads and writes across, say, a dozen appliances or half-dozen appliances in a scale-out configuration. And that can kind of slow things down if you're trying to access some some smaller amount of, of, of data. Say it's a pure SSD configuration with 10 terabytes. Well, that's just a small shelf uh, of, of drives and uh, it, you can 
you can put that all in one one appliance and and uh, access that data much much faster than you could in a scale out. Just because there's so much extra software layers that that generate latency and and also sort of a back end network that has to be set up for all these scale out uh, type technologies. So um, there there are some pros and cons there. Uh, and and so you know, kind of smaller configs, pure SSD type configurations, uh, those are generally not done at scale out. Okay, and and you mentioned object storage a little earlier as well. So can can we jump jump to that for for a second here? I guess what are some of the main advantages and, and disadvantages to to object storage? Yeah, well, one of the, the the biggest advantage of, of using object storage is just the scale. You know, if if you have uh, and, and the backup vendors have recognized this. They've, you know, they've said, okay, our customers, uh, they, they need the ability to keep doing backups into um, some type of storage media that can grow without bound. You know, we, you fill up a tape, you got to go grab a new tape and ask the robot for it, and you got to tag the tape and all this kind of stuff. What if you could just have sort of like a way of doing disk-to-disk backup to a disk drive that is basically without bound. And, and that's what object storage does for, for backup vendors. And then it, 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 kind of the background of object storage is that it was really popularized by Amazon. Amazon created what's called the Simple Storage Service, or S3. And, and in a nutshell, it boils down to accessing and, and uh, pushing data into a cloud, if you will, using two HTTP functions. So when the same protocol that you use to go and visit a website and fill out forms on websites, when you fill out a form and you click OK, that's an HTTP put, and you're sending data to the website. When you do a, visit a website, you're, you're doing an HTTP get effectively. And so there's this way of pushing and pulling data, you know, doing reads and writes uh, using the HTTP protocol. And, and and some smart folks uh, came up with the idea of, well, why don't we just access, instead of accessing our data as files, why don't we just treat everything as, as like web pages? And so what we'll do is, is that when you go and push uh, a blob of data to create, create a page, if you will, we'll call that an object. And then we want to be able to organize our objects, and we'll call those, we'll make buckets to put our objects into. And that's really, that's object storage kind of in a nutshell. You've got unlimited uh, capacity to put basically an unlimited number of objects and buckets into this uh, storage medium. And nowadays you can do that using the Ceph technology. So you can go and set up, you know, as many as minimum of three appliances, three servers, and uh, as, as, and over and scales to over over a hundred servers, you can go combine these together to be this really flexible storage space to go push objects in. So great for backup products, great for you know data protection, but it's also you know because of its uh, the, uh, of applications ability to kind of access say Amazon's S3 service from anywhere. A lot of mobile games and a lot of mobile apps actually store their data in the cloud using those object protocols because it's some of the easiest storage for them to access and it's and it's secure. Okay, great. So I guess th- those were advantages and disadvantages. So I guess h- how does one leverage uh, object storage while, you know, still addressing, 
you know, some of the more important things such as uh, regulation and compliance. So let's say healthcare, HIPAA, and uh, Sarbanes-Oxley, some of those re- uh, regulations. Yeah, some of the, 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 the key things there is, is that if you are um, – if you're a healthcare company, if you have uh, certain regulations that you have to be compliant to, um, the first thing to, to do is make sure that whichever uh, uh, object storage platform you're using, it, it make sure that it's got encryption for data at rest. That's, that's number one. And the second is to make sure that it's got encryption for data on the wire, which means instead of using the unencrypted HTTP protocol, you need to access all of your object storage over HTTPS. So that gives you encryption on the wire and encryption at rest. Now, we, we do that at OS Nexus. Our object storage, our Ceph-based object storage, does encryption uh, underneath. Um, but uh, s- some some products don't. You want to make sure that they do. And then a lot of times uh, there will be regulations that would prevent you from using a public cloud like Amazon's S3 uh, depending on, on, on what, the, uh, what the rules are for the data set. There's really strict rules around patient, uh, um, patient records, patient, uh, patient information. Um, so uh, HIPAA is very uh, restrictive uh, in, in, that, uh, in that way. So make sure you've got encryption at rest, encryption uh, uh, on the wire, and make sure that, that you've got your own uh, private cloud of object storage, ideally. Okay, great. Yeah, I am really glad you mentioned uh, encryption since uh, security, cybersecurity, and, you know, that's that's really, really a hot topic right now with, you know, ransomware is, is running wild. And I read an article that uh, I think they stole a, a database of all the iCloud users for iPhone. Yeah. And I think it was maybe 40 million or something, and now they are able to hack into uh, the iCloud uh, device on your iPhone and lock you out of your iPhone and then request a ransom oh my uh, gosh. via via Bitcoin in order to get access to your cell phone. So, wow, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's it's really 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 interesting. So I'm glad you brought up encryption. And so your Quanta Store product um, does uh, have encryption. It does work with encryption. That that's correct, right? It does. Yeah, we do encryption at rest for all the different types of storage objects. Uh, and uh, scale out um, file and and our uh, ZFS based storage as well, and you know, hats off to Intel and and AMD. They they came out with this uh, technology called AESNI, and what they do is inside the chip, they put in the special uh, uh, logic, basically the special circuitry, to do really fast encryption and decryption of AES encrypted data, which is sort of the standard these days that everybody uses. So uh, it's it's on most of the Intel chips, so you don't even notice when it's using it, but um, you would notice it if it wasn't there. And, and the reason why is, is that uh, it uses a lot of CPU power to go and encrypt and decrypt data, but with that special AES-NI technology, it's eight times faster. So the impact is maybe around 20%, whereas it otherwise would have been around 80%. So um, it just makes a, a big, big difference. We, we did some performance tests on a pool of storage that was doing about 1.5 gigabytes per second with uh, no encryption on it. And uh, the impact, you know, uh, was only about 20% decline in, in performance with encryption turned on 
But uh, without that AES driver uh, going, the performance dropped like 80%. So it's so so important wow. that that that's, that technology is in the chip today. Okay, great. Do you have any use cases uh, like for your Quantum Store product, like the number one use case that most customers actually uh, even decide to take a look at your product or even use your product? Yeah, th- there's kind of two broad categories. One is virtualization, and the vast majority of, of our customers using Quantistore for virtualization are using it with VMware. So uh, we just our, our VMware cert- six certification was just re- uh, just refreshed the other day. So um, prior to that, we were all certified Quantistore on on VMware six or five rather. So um, uh, that's one of the big broad use cases. The other is is uh, Various uh, archive use cases and media use cases. So we've got a lot of customers in media and entertainment. They'll use it for media editing, um, playback, uh, render farms, those types of, of use cases. So uh, that um, those are kind of the broader broader categories. Each kind of each vertical um, uses uses our systems in, in different ways, but we've we've got good coverage across. Uh, um, a number of sectors: banking, insurance, healthcare, uh, and media and entertainment are, are the are the biggest sectors we're in. Okay, great. And um, looks like we are running up against time here. So I guess I want to go to the uh, I almost forgot about the data protection gumbo secret ingredient question. So you know we have to uh, allow you to throw something into the pot so we can kind of <laughs> sure. keep the. Um, you know, keep the keep the gumbo uh, really really tasty here. So, okay. uh, I guess so. What is that uh, one ingredient that you feel will spice up the gumbo of technology centered on innovation in the data protection and backup and recovery market this year and also into the future? That's a that's a tough question. I think um, I think it really it really boils down to um, ease of use. I think that companies need uh, ah, that's a tough one you know you we're seeing yeah. we're seeing so much innovation in terms of uh taking the backup products of yesteryear and turning them into appliances. I think that's been right. a, a great big step forward where you know like say net backup uh they've got an appliance and and uh Commvault has an appliance I think that kind of the next phase of that is going to be a lot more self-service, right? You want it to you want to be able to drive okay. the backups, but you don't want the backup administrator to have to get involved to go and recover files. And I and some of the various backup vendors have some tools on that, but I think we're just going to see a lot more improvement in that area where you've got you go and set up the appliance and you just walk away. It takes care of the backups and uh and the users can kind of take care of themselves in terms of 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 recovering data. But I think the other big innovation is just analytics. We're going to see a whole lot more data mining of what's getting backed up and, right. and getting business value out of those backups. I think that the backup vendors have really woken up in in the in recent years about wow, we're the ones with all the data. We've got all the backups, <laughs> and you know once you start going to object storage and disk storage, you can actually start to go look at the data. I mean, when it was on tape. You know, it was sitting on a shelf in a vault. You couldn't actually go and do much to analyze and see what was what was recorded. But 
Nowadays, you've, we've got these technologies like Elasticsearch, and you combine that with with the backup products, and you've got a whole new um, uh, you've got a whole new set of products around you know data warehousing and kind of deep mining of data, so companies can get a lot more value out of, of what's going on, and and you can start to do things like Google search your your whole company. You could say, well. You know what documents do we have on this project that we, that you know that that everybody's working on and and uh, that have graphs and you could ask questions like that and go and get that out of your backups you know and uh, I think that that's also going to start to require more ta- tagging of data because if if you're like uh, in in you know. Uh, uh, you put together some document and it's got some. Uh, data on there that you don't want to to get released uh, it's confidential or whatever um there's going to need to be more intelligent tagging that's going to need to go onto files to protect them so that uh when people start searching and gathering data and they can leverage that capability without getting access to uh you know various who knows legal agreements other things like that that uh that still need to be uh kept behind a, a shielded wall See, Steve, you did great. So uh, I, I guess I should have framed it as storage instead of uh, data protection and backup. But you know more than 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 you thought you knew about backup. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> well, I was there at uh, at Veritas working on the backup product for a little while, uh, for about a year and a half. That was a good time. It's, there's a good talent, just a lot of talent out there working on it in uh, in Roseville, Minnesota. So that, that was those were some good times. Cool. Well, it, it, it has been a, a pleasure having you on Data Protection Gumbo, and uh, I definitely learned a lot about Quanta Store and just really appreciate the time that you have taken out of your day to to educate uh, the listeners on Data Protection Gumbo, and uh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks, Demetrius. Pleasure. I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much for listening to Data Protection Gumbo, and you can check us out at dataprotectiongumbo.com, iTunes, or just Google us. Um, You can also follow me on Twitter, at dmalbro, and you can connect with me on LinkedIn. And also, I am proud to announce that we have now reached over 10,000 hits a month on the website. So... Thanks to all of the listeners, fans, and the feedback that you have been providing me, which has helped me improve the show tremendously. Thanks again, and see you next time. Have a great week.